As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. New VanCast to get you up and running here to start this week. The final week, the Vancouver Canucks are going to be in town before they head out to Edmonton and the great unknown of life inside a bubble. Jay Pat and Durantz are with you. It is another VanCast, and Durantz, if you put your ear down to the ground really closely... I think you can hear it. You can hear that Zach McEwen freight train humming along the tracks, pushing for a spot in the opening night lineup against the Minnesota Wild on August the 2nd. He was so good last night. Like, he was so good last night. This is classic, you know, bust down the door, come in in great shape. He was all over the ice. Like, he was a perfect F3. His positional awareness was amazing. That line forechecked excellently. He made some really nice passes. Like, he could have had three or four points. And then, of course, yep. he converted on a gimme uh, just off <laughs> of, uh, you know, that that Pedersen pass to McEwen, uh, which he converted. Like, that wasn't a cross-seam pass. That was a pass that, like, parted the Red Sea. Like, it was unreal how much, how easy it looked for Pedersen to send that. But it was an extremely difficult play. Uh, look, it's not the goal for Zach McEwen that stands out. It's just that work on the forecheck. The fact that I don't think he was out of position at any point. He anticipated play better than anyone else on the ice. And he won every puck battle he was involved in. That Roussel line with Godet. Like, Godet's done the same thing. You know, you think about Godet. Godet comes into this camp. Beagle and Sutter are ostensibly healthy. We, we're not so sure about Sutter anymore. Like, there's a world where Sutter, or sorry, where Godet comes to camp and he's not all there. And the Canucks start thinking about whether or not he's in the lineup, right? Like, there is a world where that happens. Um, Roussel looks fast, too. But but coming back to Gaudet, you know, th- he wasn't going to let it. Like, Gaudet's come in and played great every day. And that's the thing that needs to stop. Like, I'm really sick of the Vertanen excuses. Like, at the end of the day, there's no one else to blame but him. Like, 
He's 23. He's in a fifth year pro. Like there's no poor Jake here. Like he left the door open. Godet's banging it down. Furlan's back, and I thought he looked all right. Like this is on Jake. There's no one else to blame here. Right, and there's a fair bit to unpack, and we did uh, coming out of the scrimmage on Thursday, but there were developments over the weekend since we last recorded that we have to get to as well. Uh, yes. Look, I'm really glad you mentioned uh, for McEwen, it wasn't the goal at all. Like, I- I'm glad you pointed that out. Like, Good on him, and he pulled the trigger, and he scored with emphasis, uh, but yep. you're right. I mean, like a lot of us, if we had been right-handed, I'm not, but, uh, you know, and been in that position, would have been able to convert that pass from Pedersen. But, you know, it's funny because after the first period of the scrimmage, we're all sitting there uh, physically distanced along uh, New Look Media Row. And, you know, you had said, like, McEwen was probably the best player on the ice. And then I said, I might cast my vote for Roussel because I'm with you. Like, his speed looks like it's back to pre-knee injury uh, levels. And that's a good sign. Like, this is a guy that, you know, I wondered if a healthy Furlan, like, I, 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 you know, as we had four months to sort of consider what a Canuck roster for a play-in might look like, you know, I was thinking, you know, is there spots for both Furlan and Roussel? There's some redundancy in some of the things that they do. I mean, I've kind of figured that Roussel would play, but, uh, you know, he's another guy that I think has stepped up here in the first week, and, and that's good. And I think with so many young guys on this team, like, he is sort of that... Uh, father figure veteran guy that you know can drag them into the fight if uh, and and think too like you know finding your energy and emotion I know it's playing hockey and guys shouldn't have a problem getting fired up but with no crowd in the stands like it's going to be such a different environment that you know a guy like Roussel I don't think he'll have any trouble getting uh, motivated and up for any of these games he he loves to play and (laughs) and I think they you know they could probably channel that energy so uh, I you're right like that line was just all over the place and I know it's a summer scrimmage but they stood out so clearly and so you know the trickle down then for Jake is we talked at length on the last pod Thursday night defensively it was a disaster there was no offensive contribution you know, he, he gets called out by the captain on the ice. Like, it was a forgettable night. Friday's yeah. a day off. The first time they're back on the ice, Thomas, Jake doesn't have a line to play with at practice on Saturday. Like, that is so clearly a message that it wasn't just us that saw those things in scrimmage on Thursday night. The coaching staff did as well. Yeah, it was nice, too, because I spent 12 hours getting mentioned on Twitter for making too big a deal of it, right? <laughs> and then Saturday's yeah. practice plays out. <laughs> and it's just like, hey, guys, sorry. Like, I'm not... I'm not out here to be a stick in the wheel for your favorite player. Like, I'm just telling you what I see. And, um, no, I, look, Jake's Thursday scrimmage was really bad. Like, it's no surprise that there were consequences. And, you know, in fairness to him, right, he did lead his group in the bag skate, and he did stay out late uh, at Saturday's practice. I wasn't there, but that's from your account, J-Pat. Yes. Yep. Uh, so, you know, did the right things. And then, look – the defensive play that was so problematic on Thursday, like at least that wasn't there last night, right? Like Sunday night, he didn't stand out for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, which, you know, uh, is an improvement. Like it's a marked improvement over what happened Thursday night, but I know it is. And it's such a sad commentary at the same time because the bar is so low, but I'm with you. Like he was fine last night, but guys around him were better. And so that's, you know, if it's all relative, that's not a good position to be in less than two weeks away from playing for keeps. No. and, And what people need to understand here too, is like, there are two tracks, right? So I think we can feel pretty comfortable that barring further injury, we know the identity of 18 of the 20 skaters who will start for the Canucks in the in game one. And the two positions that I'm not 
solid on that I that I don't have written in stone, as it were, are two bottom six wing spots. And really, it's two bottom six right wing spots. And there's five potential candidates for those two spots. One of those spots needs to go to a penalty killer, right? Like, period. One of those mm-hmm. spots will go to Brandon Sutter if he's healthy. And if he's not, it's going to be Louie. Like, I, I, don't know what else, I don't know who else needs to hear this. I, I don't know... How else to make this simple for people? Like it's going to be Brandon Sutter or it's going to be Louis Erickson because the Canucks need another penalty killer or JT Miller's playing 25 minutes a night and nobody wants that. And the third spot is truly an open competition and that's on the right wing with Godet and Roussel. Uh, I, I mean, I think the Canucks need Jake's offensive pop and speed in the bottom six, but based on how the last 72 hours have played out here, like... I don't even know that he still has the inside track over McEwen at this point, right? Like, at this point, he's going to need to do something probably pretty special over the next 10 days to leave no doubt and secure his spot in the lineup. Um, You know, he's put himself in a tough spot based on his first week of camp. Just, I don't think that should be a controversial take at this point. No, I'm with you. And we've been there every step of the way watching and, and... You know, it's not just you that's seeing it or me that's seeing it. Like, it's across the board. We've all sort of seen this the same way. I know you guys wrote uh, your takeaways after both of the scrimmages. And, you know, again, there were rave reviews for Zach McEwen. And good on him. This is a guy that's gone through a ton of hardship here during COVID with the loss of his father. He looks motivated. Like, he, he looks like a guy that you know, wants to back up Jim Benning's words. And I asked him about that on Saturday, too, that, you know, when the GM comes out and says, this young guy looks like an NHLer, like, absolutely, that's a huge vote of confidence. And and I think he's proving uh, Jim Benning right with his performance. He sort of has picked up where he left off. Because remember, he was good for those two weeks before COVID as well on that line with Gaudet and Roussel. Now, just to back to Horvat and Vertanen in the scrimmage on Thursday, because, you know, it's funny. I don't know about you, but I'm finding, like, life without instant replay is not a life I actually enjoy that much. Like we're getting one look at these scrimmages in real time. And there are things that happen like who made that pass or, you know, who blocked that shot. And, you know, you don't get a second look, although to his credit, I give Farhan a ton of credit. Like Farhan has found sort of a a side hustle as, you know, a budding cameraman for scrimmage games. (laughs) Yeah. The games aren't live streamed, but Farhan's live streaming them on his Twitter account. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and he's put, the, he's put the great disappointment of the underwhelming fish sandwich on Thursday night behind him. <laughs> he was so mad. We went out for drinks at an unnamed Yaletown establishment, and Farhan went off the board a little late night, ordered the fish sandwich, and he's still bitter about it, like three or four days after the fact. But he seems to have processed it, and he's become the go-to guy for, and I joked about it on Twitter last night, but like, you know, he had video of Besser with the buzzer beater, was it a goal, did it cross the line, and you know, we're all from the 300 level, Uh, that's what we've got to work with here, so. It was a goal, right? Like, it was a goal. (laughs) I think both. I think Besser had two goals last night. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know about the buzz reader. I, I, I've got time for your argument about the one that hit the bar because it did oh, have a bit of a different sound. That to it. sounded like a back bar for sure, man. For sure, but I would. I would. I would. I would bet, like not my farm, but yours, that that okay. hit the back bar. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Let's not lose sight of the fact here that we're talking about Horvat and Vertanen. And, yes. you know, in real time, we, nobody along press row was quite sure. We, like, we all got caught up because it, it wasn't just the microphones. Like, we could all hear it up in the upper deck. Like, it was so clear as Besser's mm-hmm. scream of frustration was when he missed the target last night by, by inches. Oh, that but, was but nobody, fucking awesome. Nobody was quite sure, you know, who Vertanen had hit that prompted and sparked the outburst from a usually mild-mannered Bo Horvat, but we now we can unmask. You've done a little digging. We know who uh, the guy on the receiving end of the hit from Vertan and the frustration hit was. Yeah, it was Jalen Chatfield, and Jalen Chatfield and Vertanen got into it again yesterday. Right there was a slash. I, I think Vertanen appealed for a hold, and they had some words again. Uh, that's a brewing training camp battle to watch now. Um, certainly one that I'll be watching closely because Chatfield's a physical player, but there's like this pecking order that exists. Like when Chris Tanev hooks Tyler Grayovac on a breakaway, there's no penalty, right? Like no chance of a penalty because Chris Tanev's at the apex of the pecking order. Like Chris Tanev's a 10-year NHL veteran. Um, He's played with Manny Malhotra. Yeah, right. He played with Manny <laughs> Right. So Manny, Manny's one of the refs. He's Tanev's not gonna like. He just has to no. look at Manny and and make his own call essentially. <laughs> yeah, and so Chatfield, Chatfield's like a pretty physical player, right? Like Chatfield has good wheels, and when Chatfield lines a guy up, like he can do some damage. And he knows he's been around long enough. He knows he can't play like that, considering his status on the pecking order as a depth defenseman. And what it would look like if Jalen Chatfield injured a guy, right? Like, he's not playing his most physical game. And so, yeah, no, I mean, look, I think that's important context, too. Because it's not like Bo had been hit himself. It's not like Tanner Pearson had been hit. Like, Bo was standing up for one of the Canucks' depth guys. And I just think that context changes, you know, some of the... Like, I, I saw some Bo Horvat criticism in, in my mentions and on Twitter over the last 48 hours, which is just absurd... Because this is a guy standing up for one of his American League-level teammates, you know, in, in, in sort of insisting on a fair and safe environment for everybody. Like, come on. Come on. That's good stuff. That's what you need. Uh, I actually think that's a pretty impressive show from a first-year captain all around. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And, and in that moment, again, not knowing who the player was, we didn't have that layer to it all. But... You're right. Like, he's standing up for Chatfield, but he's standing up for all the young guys in camp, essentially, and just saying, like, don't be a jackass, and don't feel like just because you've been here, you've got the right to go and run these young guys. And so, right. you know, last night, last night, there was none of that. I mean, there was some contact here and there, uh, but... For, Furland, Furland was pretty physical. Furland hit Besser. Furland hit Hughes. I thought Furland well, let's get was into, pretty assertive. Yeah, I mean, let's get into Furland then, because... You know, it's funny the order of things right now. Like, they're not doing any sort of post-game media. So we couldn't talk to Furland afterwards to find out how he thought his scrimmage went. They made him available during the day ahead of the scrimmage. So, you know, we had a chance to talk to him for the first time in months. And my takeaway from that was, like, he's in a remarkably good headspace. He seemed really excited uh, to be a part of all this. He truly believes that he is an option for Travis Green in two weeks' time. And this is a guy that hasn't played in the NHL since December, has played one period of professional hockey, and that was Valentine's Day, and he didn't get through that in Utica. And missed... I mean, he was a black ace for the first week of camp. So, you know, you, you take all of that into account to think that in two weeks' time, 
he could be an option. It still feels like a stretch to me, but let's look at the positives. He got through two periods of hockey. That's he, the, that's the you know, big he, takeaway, man. Yeah, and, and he didn't look out of place. You know, nope. a scrimmage is a t- a scrimmages are inter-squad scrimmages are tough. Like, he's not going to run guys on his own team. But, you know, I thought it was really interesting listening to him. I'm not sure if you were on his Zoom yesterday, but, he, you know, I, I think we all think with concussions, like, you know, first hit, he could be done. And I guess, yeah, with his track record. But he spoke at length how it really isn't contact and his fear of contact. It's the need to get involved in traffic and have players at high speed zipping by him uh, on both sides. And we've heard Sven Berti talk about that too. You know, when he went through all the head issues the previous season, you know, as you try to come back, you got to retrain your brain in a way. And Ferlin said for him, he just needs these reps of guys zipping around the ice and, you know, the peripheral vision and those types of things. So, you know, he seemed really confident that he would be able to be physical and absorb some hits but it really, for him, was just sort of drilling down to to get back into game action because that's something you can't replicate, you know, when you're skating in phase two in these small groups and, you know, it's just a handful of guys. Like, he needs to be out there five on five with nine other bodies and a couple of goaltenders and react to game situations. And so to get through last night, I think, really was a, a big step in the right direction. No question. And look, there was some rust, I thought, it showed especially late on shifts when he was, you know, his line was hemmed in in the defensive end. I, I think you could tell a little bit that there was some rust, uh, some catching up to do. But he looked light. He looked fast. He had some nice moments in terms of passing the puck. And he looked physically assertive. Like, a- as far as I'm concerned, that's a 100-level sort of first scrimmage back from the type of, like, multi-tiered... 10-month layoff that he's endured here and you know whether he's an option I I kind of agree with you I think it's probably a little bit too late in the game for him to get fully up to speed to where he's going to be a better option than you know McEwen and Vertanen on that third line but you know I I think you've got to be really happy for the guy first of all that that he was able to make it through that entire like you know it's been he's made it through one of sort of four games since late October, right? Like he's made it through one of four tries and last night he made it through another game. That's a huge milestone for a guy you've got to be rooting for. Um, And so, you know, that's the big takeaway on the hockey side. Like there are signs that Furland can help this team. And, and, you know, it's so easy to forget because we haven't seen him in so long, but like Furland's really good when he's fully geared up and ready to go. And, you know, that that's still an X factor that could come into play here for the Canucks. Uh, as certainly he took a big first step on Sunday night. Yeah, and, and again, with no availability to talk to Travis Green afterwards to get his thoughts and now a day off for the team, uh, you know, we'll get a review and, and have a chance to talk to the coach, I would imagine, on Tuesday. But, you know, you have to look elsewhere to pick up your clues. And the fact that he played the entire scrimmage with Tyler Gravak and Justin Bailey on a team that had nine forwards. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. if the coach had wanted to move him up to have a look, you know, it wasn't like the other team had to cycle through and the line combos got screwed up the way they did on Thursday. Uh, That blue team had nine forwards. And so, you know, we could have seen, you know, if Travis Green had wanted to move him up. But I think last night really was just about getting his legs moving, getting him back in game action. But the fact that he was with two other black aces probably tells you where he is in the pecking order as we sit here right here right now. Yeah, for sure. And 
you know, I do think he'll have an opportunity. Like, I do think he'll have an opportunity to move up as he gets in, into better shape. And I'll be curious to see what the rest of this week brings. And, and by better shape, I, I don't mean, like, again, I thought he looked light. Like, I thought he looked faster than his typical sort of uh, – he typically does. So, like, I'm not saying he wasn't in great shape. I'm just saying there's a difference between – that game shape and, and processing things when you're, you know, 50 seconds into a defensive zone shift and, and that's sort of the, the specific type of shape that he'll need to uh, recalibrate to. So, you know, we'll see. But I do think he'll have an opportunity to move up as he gets acclimated again to this kind of on-ice activity. Um, you know, I, I'm really curious to see. I, I really do think that there's a shot. He's got a shot here to make an impact at some point in, in this playoffs, especially if the Canucks can get through a qualifying round. All right, so we know that they've got all these bodies in camp. They won't all be on that bubble roster. So, you know, there are a couple of guys that won't make the grade. Uh, essentially, there will be some cuts out of this training camp. But you know where there won't be cuts, Drancer? Where? Is in the most important parts. If you use Manscaped. <laughs> Yes. Oh my yeah, because God. I didn't even you know, know where like, you were going, and then you and then you hit well, me with it. Beautiful. Right. So the Vancast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best yep. in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. We've talked about this. You don't want the cuts there. Training nope. camp cuts. That's one thing. When we're talking, yeah. So Manscaped has just launched in Canada for those listeners uh, in this great country of ours. You can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life changing products. They have redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest hair trimmer ever created and have their new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Check it out. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and you use the code THEATHLETIC20 and for a limited time, subscribers get not one but two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Brief. So go to manscaped.com today. Use the code THEATHLETIC20. J-Pat, I was not ready. I wasn't ready for that. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Yes. Uh... We'll get to DraftKings a little later here in this fancast, too. We'll see. Good. Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll at least see yeah. that one coming. <laughs> won't be blindsided. Hey, when we talk about the cuts, let's get into you know some of the guys that are on the fringe because I, I think we were both fairly harsh in our critique of Ole Levy after Thursday scrimmage, and there wasn't a whole lot there. And this is a guy that you know really hadn't seen a lot of time with the main group. He was designated as a black ace as uh, Rafferty and Chatfield and and Breezebois and, and that group that's now bidding for a depth spot. But remember too that Jordy Ben has left this team. He's back in Texas. He's going to have to quarantine. He's going to meet the team in Edmonton. So for the next week, like it really is an open audition and you know, who knows? Like, you're going to assume that Jordy Ben will rejoin the team and be the, the, the seventh defenseman. But if things don't go that way, then it really could be, you know, one injury away. And one of those guys that I just mentioned could find themselves playing in the NHL, playing in play on, play in action. I want to give Ole Levy his due because I, I, I thought last night was night and day. compared. They were both night games. But I thought his performance last night was night and day compared to Thursday. Hundred percent. That was your. That was the best I've ever seen Olio Levy play in person. I thought he was tremendous. Uh, look, he had a rough start, right? Like he had his pocket picked by Tyler Mott, leading to the Louis Erickson chance that Jacob yep. Markstrom robbed and and Thatcher Demko applauded, which I loved, by the way. And then, <laughs> but 
but but he settled down. Like there were still a couple giveaways, you know, that's going to happen. But you know, on multiple occasions, for example, while trying to chase down Jake Vertanen, who was one of Vancouver's strongest skaters in terms of raw straightaway speed on a breakaway, and in terms of trying to beat out Jake Vertanen for an icing, like, Yolevi lost both those foot races, but he kept pace with one of Vancouver's fastest skaters step for step. That's a huge development for a guy whose feet have been problematic, especially as he's worked his way back from a really significant injury last year and and surgery and a surgical procedure that took a long time so you know that's a really good sign for Yolevi he does a lot of things really well in terms of the skill plays I thought his breakouts were good I thought his ability he, like he never doesn't get a point shot through I love that right like I haven't seen him tee up a point shot and not get it to the net that's a huge deal for a player like Yolevi like that's those are subtle details to his game reflective of his hockey IQ the question for Yolevi has always been his feet. To the, until last night, I'd never seen an indication that his feet were going to be at an NHL level, like a level where I left the building and thought that guy can make it. Uh, yesterday, they were. Yes, I, feel, I feel like in this environment, you know, Yolevi and Cole Lind, I want to shout out Cole Lind too, because he was winning some battles. Yeah, he was strong on his skates. Yep. Uh, I thought Brogan Rafferty had a much stronger performance. And, and I do think one of the big takeaways for me was – you know, I, I talked a lot on the VanCast on Friday about how cruel an environment this is for your youngest players, like how the veterans are just testing them, going directly at them, trying to skate through them. Uh, you know, Brock Besser tried to skate through Ole Olevi, and Brock Besser was kind of skating through everybody on on Sunday night. And Olevi just calmly took the body and ended the offensive attack. Like, I love that. That was great. These prospects, they got punched in the mouth on Thursday night. And on Sunday night, they showed they could take it and stand up. They all performed better uh, in this environment. Like, that, the organization, whether or not any of these guys factor into return to play, and I suspect they won't, um, this organization seeing that performance, seeing that response, they must have been thrilled. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Lynn because, you know, again, I – I watched him pretty closely on Thursday. Didn't think there was a whole lot there. Remember, he was a late invite to camp and, in fact, wasn't even on the ice that very first day, so a little bit of catching up to do. Uh, whatever the case, he, he did feel, in, and in my eyes, he, he looked like he had caught up to the pack. Like, he he, he didn't look out of place at all. Uh, he won some battles. I uh, thought he made some subtle plays with the puck as well. Uh, and so that's a good sign. And, and to your point about Yulevi getting shots through, I mean, remember, uh, his shot beat Demko hit the post and sort of that created the grenade drill in the crease that led to the Godet goal. Godet swoops in and, and pokes it home because Demko couldn't find the puck after that. But it all, I mean, the play starts with a Sautner giveaway, but it's only a levy who kind of cruised in from the left point and, you know, got a decent shot away. And so uh, I think it is important because uh, look, so many people have crapped all over this guy. Uh, you know, when he steps up and looks all right, I think it's only fair to to at least give him his due. And so Absolutely. Uh, now I'm, you know, now I'm kind of encouraged. Like not, you know, one Sunday scrimmage in the middle of summer isn't going to change my views. I'm not going to declare that he's going to be the next best thing for the Vancouver Canucks. But now I'm encouraged. I want to see if he can follow it up. What does he look like the next time he gets this opportunity? You know, what did the coaching staff think? Will he... You know, now without Jordy Ben, in order to have eight defensemen at any practice, they're going to need two of those black ace defensemen, you know, so who gets the promotion and how quickly and, you know, how soon do we see Ole Levy get a chance to skate with the main group again? Yeah, and, and now look, I think Brisebois and 
Jalen Chatfield would be sort of the next guys up on the left and right side after Ben, who of course can comfortably slot in in either spot. And I'd expect to be sort of the both sides seventh defenseman once he's back. Uh, you know, Yolevi still, I would expect to get cut before they move on to phase four. But, yep. you know, if he continues to play the way he did and, and Ashton Sautner didn't have a great game, right? I mean, things can change. And, you know, credit Yolevi because that, I think, is a uh, is a possibility now and, and something I wouldn't have thought was a possibility prior to Sunday night's game. But that's how good he was. Like, he was good enough that he legitimately changed my opinion and before we do move on from scrimmage, J-Pad, I do think we got we to gotta talk Besser real quick because Brock Besser was just stunning last night, right? Like, he should have had two goals, at least one, I think. And, you know, he probably had, like, ten shot attempts. Uh, the zip on his shot was back, like, very much back. Now, look, I'm, I'll admit, I'm, I've always been suspicious that it ever left. I think when a guy's not getting the bounces, it looks like people search to find reasons that aren't there. Uh, I tend to think the shot velocity was that for Besser, but nonetheless, he was all over the ice. His playmaking has stood out for all the right reasons. It was like him and Hughes just playing give-and-goes in the offensive zone as they generated chance after chance. Uh, it was a really impressive performance from a guy who opened camp under, you know, a little bit of scrutiny. Yeah, and I, I think I said it on the last podcast. Like, you know, I wasn't prepared in the first week to declare him the first week MVP or anything. And I had seen a lot of people raving about him. And I was just, you know, I, I think I said, that, like, you know, he should stand out because he is one of the best players they've got. But I'm with you last night. Like, we're so far away in the 300 level uh, that you can't, you know... You can't get up close and, and see what's going on. But there were times, Drancer, like I swear, uh, Brock Besser was like 10 feet tall playing against the rest. Of, like he he yeah. he kind of channeled his inner Nathan McKinnon at times. And I know they play different <laughs> wow. positions. But like I, yeah. no, but I, like, I, I like talked it. about McKinnon stalking the net. Like there were yeah. times last night, like he just wasn't going to be denied. And you see that with Nathan McKinnon. Like he's got the puck on his stick and he's like, fuck this. Like I'm taking this thing to the net and there's nothing you can do to stop me. And I, I saw some of that in Brock Besser last night. And again, this is scrimmage, and he's going against his own teammates. The checking will get tougher in the months and weeks and months ahead. But, uh, you know, the only thing he hasn't done is score. But it's not for a lack of chances. And I, I mentioned it earlier. Like, he had an opportunity in tight that, you know, I think he thought he should have scored on. He didn't. And you know, because you hear everything in the rink, like, you could hear him sort of the scream of, you know, I think frustration and probably disappointment in himself, but we were all kind of laughing a little bit uh, up along this press row that we've got because, you know, that told me, like, he's into it right now. And the shot, you're right, is there, but it's the board battles. And that's why I say, yeah. like, when he's 10 feet tall, like, there are times, there are shifts where he, he just physically, he's imposing himself on his teammates. And it's a really encouraging sign, I think, for a guy whose numbers uh, in the second half or what was the second half, weren't where they want, where he wants them to be. Uh, but man, like he just, it feels right now like he is due for uh, a breakout game. And whether it's one of these scrimmages or whether he saves it for the Minnesota Wild, uh, I, I think it's safe to say that Brock Besser is rounding into form and looking damn good out there. Yeah, just reminding everyone that he's one of the best players on this team. You know, like, yeah, that's yeah. like, that's good. Like, good. He is. Like, he is one of the best players on this team. And yep. he'd fallen out of that conversation. Uh, I think he'd fallen out of that conversation for some ephemeral reasons that weren't likely to last anyway. 
But I think it's good that he's, you know, making sure to remind management, coaches, uh, people in this market that, look, like, <laughs> I'm a star player, man. Come on. And, uh, look, it's been fun to watch. It's been really fun to watch. Uh, if he can continue this into the playoffs, he could be a huge, huge factor in this series against his hometown Wild. Uh, let's just finish up with this because we've touched on it at times. It's going to be an ongoing issue, but you know this sort of cloak of secrecy that injuries are hidden under, and you know Brandon Sutter has been in and out of everything that's happened for the Canucks in the first week of this camp. Tyler Myers was a surprise no-show for the scrimmage. Uh, you know, look, Brandon Sutter, like injuries are now part of his story. You, you can't talk about Brandon Sutter without talking about, you know, the games that he missed. I mean, he, he suited up for 44 games, but he missed 25 for the Canucks this season. You know, just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And this is a guy that missed two long stretches during the regular season. And here we are one week in and... You know, he, he's barely played. And so when we talk about this battle for spots in the bottom six, you know, like that's just kind of complicating things because I, I just, who knows where he is with his health and and his well-being and his readiness, but every day is a day closer to having to be ready to go. And I just, I'm not sure that you can trust Brandon Sutter's body to stand up to the battles here. No, I, I mean... I, you know, I've, I've just run a piece at The Athletic. It's called Dress Scratcher on the Bubble, projecting the Canucks' playoff lineup. And I've got Brandon Sutter on the bubble, and Brandon Sutter's section opens with, if Brandon Sutter is healthy, he'll be in the lineup. But, you know, his status as on the bubble as opposed to in that dressed-for-sure group tells you everything, right? Like, he's got a long history of core injuries. Although he practiced with the team Saturday, he wasn't part of the scrimmage on Sunday. Uh, the club can't get into it. You know, we don't really know, but yeah, looking at sort of what's going on here, um, you know, I, I do think there's reason for some skepticism about where Sutter's at and whether or not he'll be ready to go. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully he's fine. Like, hopefully, hopefully this wasn't too serious. Hopefully it's something that they can manage, that he can manage. But considering how we've seen this go for him, considering the stress on the body of, you know, having a five months of what what TSN's Craig Button terms a detraining period, right? Like where you're really unable to go at it, uh, unable to get ice, like on and on, especially in the first few months of the pandemic. Um, you know, that's a stressful situation, especially for a guy with Sutter's injury history. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully he's fine. But uh, I'm certainly not penciling him in uh, at this point into the Canucks game one lineup. I just don't have a sense for it. Right. And Myers is a guy who... You know, we saw receive a fair bit of treatment. I mean, he, he played. I think he missed the one game for the Canucks in his first season in Vancouver. But but a lot of post-practice and post-game treatment. And, you know, perhaps he's a particular guy, whatever the case. You know, I guess I'm not surprised that he wasn't available. But it kind of came out of the blue. Because he's been, uh, you know, he's been involved in every session. He's skated with Alex Edler almost exclusively to this point in camp. But no Tyler Myers. So we'll see. You know, that's just something to monitor here moving forward. Again, we're recording this on a day off. They'll get back to work on Tuesday at Rogers Arena and have the rest of the week here in town. They travel on Sunday, uh, the 26th, to Edmonton to immerse themselves fully in the bubble. And we're just over a week away from that one exhibition game against the Winnipeg Jets. This podcast, of course, devoted entirely to hockey. But uh, as you know, uh, baseball's back 
So grab your peanuts and popcorn. Boys are going to be getting back out of the diamond this week, and while we may not be able to join them at the park, there is plenty of action to be had from the comfort of your home. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you on the field with a shot to play risk-free for a shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy baseball is easy to play. You pick 10 players, you stay under the salary cap, you pile up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. And there's no better way to put your baseball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars. But if baseball isn't for you, don't worry. DraftKings offering plenty of fantasy golf action for the weekend tournament as well. With millions of dollars up for grabs this week, no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now. Use the promo code RUN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code RUN, R-U-N, to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposit only at DraftKings. A minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Yeah, it's not just hockey that is uh, up and running. We've seen uh, soccer and its tournament in Orlando, and obviously golf's been going for a little while now, but uh, we're getting close to baseball. We're getting close to basketball. And, you know, after my doubts, like having sat through a week now of uh, Canucks training camp, I mean, I guess I feel fairly optimistic that they're going to be able to hold up their end of the bargain. I know that Boston, obviously, is a situation that has to be monitored pretty closely. And again, you know, we're a week from these teams getting into the bubble. Like, it's one thing what happens with them in Phase 3 at their own camps, but we're not far off from all of these teams converging on the hub cities, and that's when it gets real. Yeah, absolutely. And also, that's when it gets a little more buttoned up, right? Like, this was always going to be the moment that we were... This was always going to be the sort of stretch that people were most worried about because players aren't in a hermetically sealed you know, tightly monitored bubble. Uh, this is when players are still free to go about their business, you know, while, while also submitting to every other day testing and on and on. So, you know, we'll sort of see how it goes. I, I'm not surprised we had some dicey moments in the first week of phase three, but, you know, I, I think overall you'd look at the league and say they, you know, the, the number of unfit to play or sort of positive um testing seeming situations obviously nothing's being disclosed uh was relatively minimal like for my expectations i'd say you know the boston thing's concerning but when phase three opened i was worried that there'd be multiple ones of this uh so you know like i i thought there'd be multiple bostons the fact that there's only one that to me suggests that honestly the league's probably pacing ahead of my expectations and, uh, and we'll sort of see how this unfolds over the next week. All right. So to recap, McEwen was looking good. Markstrom looking good. Besser looking... Let's go. Let's get this thing going. Like, we're just over a week away from hockey. Like, I can, I can feel it now. I'm excited. I'm, I'm getting pumped. Like, it's just, I know it's <laughs> weird and it's summer, but I'm excited. Let's, let's make this thing happen. And uh, we'll yeah. be there every step of the way, obviously, uh, covering it uh, once the Canucks get up and running. Uh, here on the VanCast, if you're starting to, you know, try to figure out what's going on on the opposition side, and you know that the Canucks certainly have done their fair share of scouting, and I imagine that maybe some of their practices this week will start to take on a little bit more of a, a feel of preparing for a, a singular opponent. Uh, Wes Walls, uh, you remember him from another movie back in 2003, the last time the Canucks and the Wild got after it. Uh, Wes Walls joining Mike Russo uh, this week. If you're looking for uh, 
things from the other side, if you will. Uh, we're going to get Russo on the podcast uh, when? Sometime this week or next? Uh, we're going to do, I think, next week. Big crossover. Okay. So Wes Walls, who's now a Minnesota Wild TV analyst, he joins Russo on Straight From The Source, and you can find that at The Athletic. But uh, I think that's going to do it. A good recap, comprehensive recap, uh, as you'd expect here on the Vancast, of uh, all that went down at uh, Summer Scrimmage 2.0. And I don't know, uh, do we know when they're going to scrimmage again? I, 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 rumor is Tuesday night. Okay. So I, I think well. we'll be back drinking beers and watching hockey in the 300 level of Rogers Arena this week, early this week, uh, and I'll look forward to it. I mean, honestly, I've loved that. Like, I like the, you know, it's quick in and out, like it's an hour and a half total for runtime. Uh, I have a beer, you know, I have to take my mask off to drink the beer, but so it goes. Uh, I've really enjoyed that experience, and, and again, just shouts to the Canucks, like this has all felt safe and organized and you know you got to give them credit because uh, i don't think that's an easy feat to make things feel safe and organized when you're talking about an indoor contact sport uh in the middle of the pandemic um but yeah no i've really enjoyed those scrimmage experiences just covering them has been a lot of fun it has and uh, you and harm have done a nice job people haven't seen uh, they want the good you guys uh, get after it and uh you know, hey, that's uh, what people are paying for, the VIP experience. They want that premium recap, and you guys uh, going deep at The Athletic so they can check out uh, recaps of both of the scrimmages, and I would imagine uh, more scrimmages in this week to come. Check out our comment section for each podcast episode at The Athletic app. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to The VanCast on Apple. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash TheVanCast, get 40%, yeah, 40% off your subscription. All right, Drancer, enjoy your day off and uh, we'll see you at the rink for uh, the next scrimmage and we'll see what that brings and of course we'll be uh, here later in the week to break it all down on the VanCast at uh, theathleticandtheathletic.com Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.